Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this. Turn up the volume and let's go. Yo, what is up, Courageous? Man, let's give it up for Jesus one time. Listen, I've never gotten a whoop before. I got a whoop. I've never gotten that. That's it. I'm leaving. See, I got my whoop. I'm out of here. That was awesome. That was great. You guys are looking good this morning. And like Rachel said, my name is Chad, and I'm the campus pastor here. And, and, and I just want to take a second and say welcome. I'm so glad that you are here today on a Labor Day weekend. I know God's going to do some amazing things in your life. And I have a message for you today. But before we get started, listen. I'm, I'm super excited to bring you today's message, but as most of you know, I had my second little baby girl last week, and her name's Lucy. I think we have a picture of my whole family there behind me here in just a moment. And, and so, um, you know, she was born last week, and over the last, uh, over the next 35 minutes or so, I think we have a picture. I'm not making it up. I do have a family. There they are. I'll give you a second to say, aw, they are cute. They are pretty cute there. And so over the next 35 minutes, instead of like our normal Sunday message, um, the production team, go ahead and roll it. It's the video presentation of my daughter being born. Go ahead, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody wants to see that. Some of you are like, what church did I come to today? This is the Courageous Church, and I have the microphone, and so here we go. Listen, I'm kidding, but seriously, you know, um, I have two beautiful, healthy beautiful, loud baby girls under the age of two, and sleep has escaped the Cook household. Sleep is gone. So y'all be praying for me. And Natalie, we need your prayer. We need some to, to get some rest. These girls got us up. They're crying. The, the two-year-old is starting to like do things she hasn't done in years because the new baby's back at, or the new baby's at home. And so it's so crazy. On Tuesday, I, I came in for a staff meeting at, at, at our HQ building, our church offices, and someone was like, hey, Pastor Chad, how's it going? And my response was, yes. They're like, that, what, yes? That's not an appropriate response. I said, how's it going? You answered with yes. I'm like, wait, are we even talking right now? What is going on? And so that wasn't the appropriate response. But what I want you to know is that I actually have gotten a couple great nights of rest here the last couple nights, and I had a big old can of Black Rifle coffee this morning. And so I am jacked up, and I'm ready to bring you the word. Are you guys ready today? All right, here we go. So, over the last week or so since my new baby's been here, I've been really thinking about something. Now that I have two girls, I've been kind of thinking about something that's been on my heart, and I want to share it with you today. And this question is, what will it be like for my children to grow up here at Courageous? What's, gonna, what, what's it going to be like for them to grow up in church? Because I didn't really grow up in church. I kind of found Jesus later as, as, a, as a young man. And so I don't know what it's like to really grow up in church. So I'm just wondering what it's going to be like for them to grow up here at Courageous, you know, with their dad as a pastor and their mom serving on the worship team, you know, how, how are they going to be connected? They're going to go to see kids and they're going to get intertwined with all their friends back there in see kids. And then the teachers back there in see kids are going to be 
teaching them about Jesus. And, you know, they're going to come to church on a Sunday, and eventually they're going to be old enough to walk up to Kathy and Marlene, who serve our coffee and water, and they're going to ask them for a water, and they're going to have to help them put the lid on and put the straw in and clean up a spill, probably. They're going to spill it a little bit. And they're going to walk in the doors, and they're going to see Randy and Marcy and all the other greeters, and they're going to give them high fives and fist bumps, and they're going to feel special, like, oh, my gosh, I'm welcomed here. And their cup, because they're little kids, is going to be full pretty easy. Like, it's not going to take much because they're little kids for them to come and to feel like, man, this is an awesome place. I'm super excited. My cup is full. But what happens is Natalie and I are ultimately responsible for them throughout the week. We are responsible for them spiritually throughout the week because they're little kids. And so they come and get their cup full on Sunday, and then we're responsible, and we're with them through the good and the bad and the ugly of life while they're in our house. And and it's natural because they're our kids, and they live under our roof, and we pretty much have to make every decision for them. Like my, my oldest daughter, Mila, she's almost two. And my wife, you know, she started liking movies recently. She's a, she wants to watch a movie all the time. And so we let her watch a movie every now and again. And my wife, Natalie, she's just not as saved as I am. So she introduced her to Frozen. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, that devilry that's called Frozen. It is not a great movie. I, have a, I just sit there like, oh my gosh, we're watching Frozen for the 700th time. Here we go, right? And so anytime she comes up to me and Natalie's not there, and she's like, daddy, daddy, can we watch Frozen movie? I get to make that choice for her. I get to make that decision. So naturally, as her father, you know, I want to raise her right. And so we just turn on Gladiator with Russell Crowe. We just live our best life, right? No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm a good parent. Don't, I'm, I'm a good dad. We don't do that. And, and, you know, she's my little baby girl. And so, of course, I'm wrapped around her finger. We watch Frozen every single day, morning, afternoon, and night. And, you know, I need to join. I, I definitely need to get in one of y'all's parenting small groups because that little girl, she's got me wrapped around her finger. And pretty soon she's going to ask for a pony, and we're going to get a pony. And so I need some parenting help. I need some advice. I need to get in one of y'all's parenting groups, okay? But listen, here's, here's, what, uh, here's what happens when you aren't a little kid. For us that are adults in this room, right? Those of us that are, that are adults, maybe, you know, we're responsible for our own choices. Maybe you're in college, and so it's really the first time that you kind of got this, this responsibility of making your own decisions every day because you're out of the house now. Or maybe you're in high school, and you've got some of that freedom for the first time. You've got some of that responsibility. And, and so, so there's some good news here on this Sunday is that we can experience life in relationship with other believers. In fact, that's what we're designed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to experience life alone. We're supposed to experience life in relationship with other believers, others who are living a life as as followers of Jesus Christ and encouraging each other, helping each other, being relationally intense with each other. And so today I want to take you to the book of Hebrews specifically chapter 3. And I want to set up a little context about Hebrews uh, before we get started here. And so we're going to be spending most of the day there in Hebrews. And the author of Hebrews, he repeatedly instructs the people that he's writing to to be in relationship with each other. And they happen to be uh, Jews who, who now believe in Jesus. This is New Testament, so Jesus has already come. And so they're Jews who believe in Jesus, so they're now these Jewish Christians, and he, he cautions them to, to be cautious about leaving the Christian faith, leaving the Christian community. You see, because they were Jews, they had this, this fondness for Moses, 
They really liked Moses. And so, uh, you know, he was a hero of their faith. Like God did amazing things and miracles through Moses. There were some great things that Moses, like, like God accomplished through Moses leading the, the Jews out of, uh, out, uh, out of uh, Egypt, right? Out of slavery. And so there were some really awesome things that God did. And Moses was a hero of their faith. And this was just a few generations before the book of Hebrews. But here's the thing. Moses was just a man, right? He's just a man. And Jesus, on the other hand, is fully man and fully God. And so the author here has to constantly kind of say that Jesus is superior to Moses. And so I want to take you to real quick, John 1 and uh, John chapter 114, and the word became flesh and dealt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth, because Jesus came to earth and he died, was buried, and resurrected for our sins so that we can be set free. So the author has to constantly say, guys, Jesus is superior to Moses here. But anytime something would kind of go astray or go wrong, they would just kind of fall back on those old Mosaic laws. So what happened before Jesus is that they had these laws that God set up for them through Moses, right? And so they had to follow these strict rules to get to God. Like that was their relationship with God, was doing these these rules and following this law. But what happened is then Jesus came and died for our sins and he fulfilled that law. And so they're no longer designed to follow those strict rules and that Mosaic law. What they're designed to do is put Jesus Jesus first, to follow Jesus, to love Jesus and love people. And they had a hard time doing that. The problem is that the blood of Jesus fulfilled that law. In Matthew chapter five, verse 17, it says, do you think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So following these strict rules wasn't what God had designed them to because he had sent Jesus already, but they were having a problem with it. They needed to make Jesus number one in the priority. And the same is true for us today, except it really isn't about us following these strict rules. Like we don't have this mosaic law that we struggle with following. What, what it is for us is not following the world. Like that's where we struggle is I, I, I'm not following the world. That's not what I'm designed to do. And when life gets hard and, and, and things get tough and, 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 and work, you know, I, I, oh, I missed that promotion again. I was looked over again for that promotion. Or you know what? This was supposed to be my year. This was supposed to be the year I figure things out. This is supposed to be the year that things kind of come together for me. And then school started a couple weeks ago and I'm, I'm more anxious than I was last year. And so it's easy for us to kind of fall into the world. It's easier for us to, you know, go out on a Saturday night and mess up again. That's easier. It's easier for us to pick up that bottle and mask the pain. It's easier for us to just fall into the world and fall into those old traps. You know, maybe for you, it looks like not spending as much time in your Bible, not spending as much time in the word, not spending as much time in prayer. Or maybe for you, it looks like what you're listening to, what you're streaming, what you're watching on TV. And can I say this for a second? Can I say it? You don't even know what I'm going to say, but can I say it? I don't want you to throw anything at me, so be ready. And this, if, listen, if you're over 35, you could probably tune me out. For This is for the under 35s, right? Um, if you're listening to DJ Khaled's new album and you think it's worship music, 
It ain't. Now, don't throw anything at me. I'm not telling you not to listen to it. It's not bad. Like, there are a couple good songs on there. I'm not telling you not to listen to it, but it's not a replacement for worship music. And so don't get it twisted. So what you need to do is you need to open Spotify, and you need to type in the songs that we sing on a Sunday. You need to follow Courageous Worship on Spotify and listen to the songs we release because that's worship music. DJ Khaled and that music, it's fine if you want to listen to it, whatever, but it's not worship music. And if you're over 35, hang on. I'll have a reference for you later. It's okay. It's okay. I could preach a whole other sermon on worship and how it changes the atmosphere and how it changes our heart, but we'll do that a different day. Today, back to the book of Hebrews. So the author talks about the importance of community and specifically talks about the issues of drifting alone and how we're not designed to do that. And what the author tells us in Hebrews chapter 3, this is so powerful. I'm in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Verse 12 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may heart be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's so powerful. So I'm pulling most of my message today. The rest of my message is really coming from those two verses. Those two verses, Hebrews chapter three, verse 12 and through uh, 13. And so what I wanna do is read verse 12 again because there are about three key points I wanna pull out of those two verses. And the first one is in verse 12. So Hebrews again, chapter three, verse 12 this time. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So that phrase there, brothers and sisters, see to it that none of you, that's assuming that we are a church family, which we are. This is a family right here. This is a church family. It's assuming that we are a church family and that, that verse is telling us, it's commanding us to be relationally intense in community with each other so that we don't drift. And that's my first point for the day. Don't drift. Don't drift. Don't be a drifter. See, the current of life rarely takes us in the right direction. If we just drift and let life take us, we're not going to go in the direction that we actually want to go. We're not going to go in the right direction. And that's why when we try to get our lives together, when we try to get our lives right, it's exhausting. Like anybody ever try to get healthy? It's hard. It is exhausting. Like I'm going to wake up early and maybe I'm going to spend some time in my Bible and, 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 and spend some time in prayer. And then I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to look like I'm doing something. And really, I'm just kind of scrolling on, on Facebook or on Instagram because it's exhausting. After day three or four of that, I'm like, all right, here's a donut. And uh, boy, I like donuts. So uh, no more of that. So it's exhausting because swimming upstream is, is going against the current. And so it's easier to drift and to let life happen to us. But if you want a healthy marriage, if you want a healthy body, if you want a healthy relationship with your kids, if you want to let go of bitterness and anger, you have to swim against the current. You have to paddle. Our relationship with Jesus is the same. It takes intentionality, right? It takes courage. That's why we're strong and courageous. It takes courage. It takes time. It takes discipline. It takes delayed gratification. Here at Courageous, you might hear us say slot and spot. What does that mean, a slot and a spot? Well, your slot is, is, is your time, your intentional, dedicated time spent with Jesus, spent in the word, spent in prayer. It's a dedicated time. It could be your spot then could be in your car. I, I do a lot of praying, a lot of worshiping in my car. That's just kind of my me time where I get to spend some time with Jesus, right? It could be in your closet. It could be at work. It could be wherever, but your slot and your spot is dedicated time with Jesus. And you have to be intentional about it because if you're not intentional, you drift, 
And here's the thing too, if we let our workplace decide our friends, if we let our school decide who our friends are, if we let our hobbies decide who our friends are, we're not gonna have the greatest friends. In fact, we're just gonna have a group that leads us into foolishness. Sometimes we start to paddle, and, and, and what, how I wanna end that too, uh, just one more point on, on your school and your hobbies and, and your workplace, deciding your friends is listen to this. If you end up drifting, you'll end up drifting with a group of fools if you let that happen. And I'd rather paddle all alone than end up drifting with a group of fools. But paddling upstream requires continuous movement. So sometimes we start to paddle a little bit and maybe navigate toward community, maybe get to church and things feel, you know, it's a different environment. So things feel a little different. So we feel like we're moving and we're growing. Uh, but the problem is that, that when we start to navigate toward community, when we start to try to get our lives right with Jesus, we have a real enemy who says, I don't think so. Uh, the devil is cool with you drifting. If you want to drift, the devil's going to say, yes, that's exactly what I want for you. Just to drift far away, drift alone, drift by yourself. But when you start to navigate and swim upstream and paddle toward community of believers, that's when the devil, that's when our enemy wants to throw obstacles and wedges and roadblocks in your life to try to get you to stumble. And so sometimes what happens is you think you're moving because you've taken a step and you've shown up to church, which is great. That's a great first step. And, and, and what happens is, you know, you show up in a row and it's a change. It's a different environment than Monday through Saturday. And so you feel like you're growing, but actually you're still drifting. And here's the thing. You don't have to pick between drifting with fools or paddling alone. You don't have, those aren't your only two choices. There's a third choice. And that third choice is paddling and swimming upstream with your people, with your family, with a group of believers, being relationally intense. You don't have to do it alone. In fact, God's central idea for his church is to be in relationship with other people, to be intertwined with our lives, with each other in, in life, figuring out God's best for you together with the help of other believers. You aren't designed to do this alone. We aren't designed to do this alone. The real strength in your life comes when you come together and connect with Jesus and commit to community. When you paddle upstream with people who have been there before, and so you can learn from their mistakes. If you're, if you're paddling upstream with them, you can learn from someone who's made a mistake before you and can say, you know what, hey, let me, let's talk about this. I've, I've gone down this road before. You don't wanna do that. And because you're in community with them, you don't have to make the same mistakes they did. As a matter of fact, I want to show you something. I, I've got some proof of what it looks like when you start to paddle upstream with other believers. I want you to check this out. What's up, Courageous? I am back here at Ambassadors for Children. I asked for 10,000. Y'all responded with 12,000. 542 pairs of underwear for children in the foster care system in Greene County. Yeah! You know what? This is where it gets crazy. The Dar Family Foundation has given ambassadors a matching grant. They're going to be cutting a check to match what we have done for 25,000, I don't do math in public, $84 of additional help for foster kids in the Green County foster system. Somebody smack somebody! So guys, 
from my heart to yours. Thank you so much. Sorry, but seeing you guys come in with underwear, coming to church, and knowing that what you're doing is pure religion undefiled, I just want to say, <laughs> I just want to say thank you because it's really moving and it's really good and it really shows Jesus to our community. I love you guys so much. Peace. Guys, that, that is amazing. Like we came together and blew out 10,000 pairs of underpants, no pun intended. Like that's amazing. Some, it took you a second to get it, but you got it and I'm happy for you. That's evidence of a group of people paddling upstream together. If we're drifting alone, if, if this is a room full of people who are just drifting alone, that, that doesn't happen. We don't blow out, I don't wanna say that again. We don't, we, we don't blow out 10,000 pairs of underpants, right? It doesn't happen if we're drifting alone. And remember, you, you, you can paddle, you don't have to paddle alone, you can paddle together. So has anybody ever uh, gone canoeing or, or floating with your spouse or significant other or, or even just somebody you like, right? Nobody? I'm the only one? Okay, I see a few hands. So good, this story's gonna connect then. So what happened is, um, you know, here at Courageous, uh, we do pre-marriage counseling, and part of our pre-marriage counseling is, is we actually strap you in a canoe with your boo, and we send you down the, the river, and if you both make it out together, congratulations, you can get married. That's it, that's all we do for pre-marriage counseling, right? No, but listen, Natalie and I, my wife, we, we had been married for like, ooh, five weeks. Maybe we got married in June, and then um, we, we, we went canoeing or floating with our small group like five weeks later. It was, it was around 4th of July weekend. I don't think it was exactly 4th of July weekend, but we hadn't been married very long. So this is gonna be a true test of our first five weeks of marriage, right? And so what happened was it was hot. It was like 100 degrees, and, uh, you know, the river, it was packed. There were so many people there. Because, again, it was like around 4th of July, so a lot of people on vacation floating. And we were doing really good. Like, even though it was hot, even though all those things were against us, it was like, hey, you know what? We've almost made it. We haven't argued. We haven't fought. We haven't tipped the canoe. Like, this has been a great experience when we we're with our small group, right? So everybody else is, is doing their thing. We've got some other couples there, some single people kayaking. Where are my single people at? My kayakers. All right. All right, so listen, what happened was we could literally see the takeout point. Like it's, it's, it's 10 feet away, we're right there, we made it. Oh, it's been a long day, ready for some food. We're, we're almost there. And what happened was, enter drunk frat guy. Drunk frat guy, in the, standing in the middle of the river, frozen, undoubtedly peeing, right? He's standing right there. Why is he in the middle of the river? He's gotta go, he's drunk, whatever. So we're like, oh my gosh, what, what's about to happen? So what he does is, is we're trying to like navigate past him and anytime I go left, he, he goes the same direction. And then we're like, all right, all right, here we go, here we go. And then he goes, he's like, it, it's just the silliest thing. He, he's not all there, right? And so what happens is he grabs our canoe to brace himself because he's about to fall and tips us over, feet away from the takeout point, five weeks into marriage. And so Pastor Tyler talks about being a Sicilian and that Sicilian side coming out from time to time. But listen, I'm not Sicilian. I'm a quarter Aztec Indian. And so I came out of that water with Montezuma's revenge, ready to go. Like I'm about to pop off on this guy. And what happened was my small group, they had already made it past this frat daddy, right? They've already made it past him. They're good, they're out. And they see this happening and almost all of them get back in the water. 
and they help us. They help us recover. We're like, what's going on? Where, where Are we in this guy's urine right now? What is happening? And so they help us recover. They get our phones, they get our shoes, they get our food, and, and, and they, say, they save this young man from Montezuma's revenge. And so what happens is they, they were with us. If we're all alone, who knows what happens, right? We probably lost phones and shoes and food, and, 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 and you know I wasn't quite as saved at the time, so who knows? But, but because they were with us, because they already made it through this situation, they helped us out because we weren't paddling alone. Point number two is this. Don't get distracted by sin's deceitfulness. Back to Hebrews chapter three, verse 13 this time. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So don't get it twisted. Here at Courageous, we don't have perfect people. That's, we, there are no perfect people at Courageous. And, and, and so we strive for authenticity. With authenticity with God, authenticity with people, progress over perfection, but no perfect people. But sin is deceitful. Sin will make you believe you're all alone. Sin will make you believe that no one else has ever gone through what you're going through. Nobody else can help you out. That if you're open with the community of believers that you're coming to church with, that they won't understand, that they'll judge you, that they won't accept you. Sin would have you drifting. Sin wants to keep you drifting. And so the author of Hebrews, you know, he has to remind people that Jesus is superior to Moses. Moses is just a man. Moses got frustrated. Moses, Moses was a, a leader who, who led his whole faith-based community and it started to drift, right? And how does that even happen? How does, how does this group of people that we're supposed to inherit the promised land, inheritance of God, start to drift away from the living God. Moses was supposed to lead them into the promised land, their inheritance, but instead they drifted for 40 years because they didn't love God and people, but instead they fell into sin's deceitfulness. So Moses got frustrated when God told him to speak to a rock and instead he took his stick out and hit it. And I don't blame Moses. Like, I'm not mad at Moses here. He's frustrated. He's just a man. And, but, but again, how, how could this, these group of people, these believers in Jesus, this community, stray so far away and start drifting? How could, you may be thinking, how could that even happen? Well, it's happening to people every day. It's happening to communities of believers every day. It's happening to us because we, we lose encouragement, because we, life gets hard. We feel like we've drifted so far away, so far downstream, and we can't find any other believers with the emotional energy to help us paddle back upstream together. You know, I, I, every spring I lead a, a basketball group. We pray and play. That's what we do. You sign up for the group, you know we're going to pray, and you know we're going to spend two hours playing basketball. And I lead it almost every spring. And so this last spring, I led it, right? And it's, it's so much fun. It's one of my favorite groups. And so the first week of that group, it's like guys just want to, they want to warm up. They don't know everybody. So they're kind of just shooting layups off by themselves. There are a bunch of goals around. And so they kind of stay away from each other at first. And then I say, okay, guys, come on, huddle up. And it's, it's pulling teeth to try to get them to huddle up. But those first couple weeks because they're like, ah, I don't, what are we huddling up for? We're here to play basketball, right? But we want to huddle up and do a devotional and then maybe take some prayer requests and pray for each other and pray that nobody gets hurt during the group. And so I read my devotional that first week and, and, and I say, okay, does anybody have anything they need to get off their chest? Does anybody have anything that, that maybe, you know, we should pray about? It's crickets. Nobody is speaking up. Everybody's looking down. Oh, my shoe's untied. Let me tie that real quick. Oh, that ball's rolling away. Let me go get that, right? And that's what happens. So I, I'm like, okay, well, anybody want to pray for us? Crickets. 
Like, nope, no, no eye contact, no nothing. So I'm like, all right, I'll pray. And the second week, you know, it happens again. Maybe there's another leader there, so they'll give me a pity, like, oh, yeah, can you pray for my, I got turf toe, and it's really hurting, and blah, 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 blah. So, so that first and second week, like, asking for people to open up and be vulnerable, vulnerable usually doesn't happen. In fact, it doesn't happen, right? But what's really cool is by that third week, that fourth week, we've been playing basketball. That's all we're doing. We're just playing basketball. There's nothing crazy about it. By that third and that fourth week, guess what? Guys start to open up because they've been in relationship with each other. So I asked for prayer requests. Hey, can you pray for my mom? Hand goes up. Hey, can you pray for my mom? She's sick. Then another hand goes up. Hey, work has been tough. Like I, I'm trying to get this promotion and I don't, I, I'm thinking now that this, this place isn't even for me and I wanna change career paths. Then another hand goes up. Hey, school's tough. I got a big test coming up. I'm really anxious about it. Like, all right, we're gonna pray for all those things. And then you know what? Someone raises their hand and says, hey, I'd like, I'd like to pray for the group. Can I pray for everybody? Because what happens is we started building relationships. We're now in community with each other. All we did was play basketball. And now we've got guys exchanging phone numbers. Guys don't do that. They're exchanging phone numbers and hanging out with each other. They're, they're going golfing together. They're doing other things because all we did was show up and play basketball together. And it took a few weeks, but we started paddling together upstream. We're no longer drifting. We're no longer paddling alone. We're a group of guys doing life together. And so my third and final point is this, encourage daily. Hebrews chapter three, verse 13 again, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. That first couple weeks, we're all alone, we're drifting, that group. And then all of a sudden, we start to encourage each other daily and it's a beautiful thing. What happens when you stop paddling alone and start paddling together with a community of believers heading in the same direction is you begin to grow up. Remember, we're in rows here. Like right here today, we're in rows. Rows are where you show up. You show up to the row, but you grow up in groups. Rows are where you show up. Groups is where you grow up. So getting in a group and building community with each other and other believers is where you grow up. No one knows what's going on in your life and then bam, you're hit with a curveball, and you don't know what to do because you've just been showing up in rows. And so who do you go to? And we have care pastors here and we have a prayer team here and I'm here for you. And if you need prayer, I'm, I'm here for you, right? I'll, walk, I'll give you advice. I'll walk you through situations. But what happens, and Pastor Tyler said it so much, you don't wanna wait to join a group and to build community with people until things are falling apart. It's too late at that point. Now it's never too late to join a group but you wanna have those relationships and that community in place before things start to fall apart. So I wanna close with this. I wanna summarize Hebrews chapter three in one sentence. So this isn't the Bible, this isn't the word of God, this is me summarizing in one sentence to try to make you see what I'm talking about, to make you see that community, a community of believers together is so strong and so powerful and it's what we're designed to do. And my summarization of Hebrews chapter three is this, see about each other on a regular basis so that none of you is tricked by sin and drifts away from the faith of Jesus Christ. That's how I would sum it up. Sum it up. And that's a groups-based command. Hebrews chapter three, those couple verses are a groups-based command for believers. It says brothers and sisters, believers in Jesus. And so we need to see about each other. That's what we're called to do. We're called to see about each other. The biggest, one of the biggest barriers to connection is authenticity. And so we've got to be a church that's relentless about a separation between church and fake. 
That's why we say be strong and courageous. It takes courage to be authentic. It takes strength to be open and vulnerable. It takes courage and strength to be relationally intense. And so fake is over, which means it's time to get real. It's time to be real. Our group leaders are not surprised by your mess. They're prepared for it. They're excited for it. They're like, yes, people, it's messy. I'm, I'm a janitor and I'm here to clean up. And that wasn't in my notes and I'll take it out for second service. But they're ready. They're waiting. They're prepared for you. They wanna paddle upstream with you. And so as your pastor, I'm telling you, it's important for you to show up in rows. Don't, don't, don't get misled and think, well, I guess I don't have to church, come to church on a Sunday. I, I guess if I got to pick one, I'll go to a group. Is that what he's saying? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. It's important to show up in rows. But that's not where you grow up. You grow up in groups. Verse 12 says, brothers and sisters, that means family. And family sits at the table for dinner together. Family hangs out together. Family goes floating together, goes canoeing together. That's family. So as I come to a close, this is what I want you to hear. You can hide in a row. You can, you really can. You can hide in a row. If that's what you wanna do, you can do it. You know, a disconnected, a drifting heart usually doesn't show up in a row right here because rows are where you show up, not where you grow up. But when you begin to paddle together and grow up in groups, it becomes almost impossible to drift. It becomes almost impossible to hide. And here's the thing, I do a campus walkthrough before every Sunday. So like Friday uh, or Saturday, it was yesterday, I did my campus, my building walkthrough. So I'm walking through the South Campus and I'm just making sure everything looks good. Um, you know, making sure the furniture's in the right place, making sure things are, are nice and clean. We have a great operations and maintenance team that takes care of the building throughout the week. But I just wanna make sure before you come on Sunday that we're completely prepared for you. And so one of the things I do is I come into the auditorium and make sure that things are looking good. And you know what, this is where I spend the least amount of time during my building walkthrough because these rows pretty much stay straight by themselves. Like they don't get messy. I may have to like fix some rows every once in a while, but for the most part, they stay in order. But right across the hall over there, Rachel said our Dream Team Central where we have our welcome, our newcomers lunch, that's where things get messy. That's where our Dream Team hangs out before church on a Sunday. And that room's set up a little bit differently. It's not in rows. There's snacks back there, there are chairs and tables there in circles. And every week I spend the most time during my building walkthrough back there. There are crumbs on the floor, the chairs are disheveled, the tables are moved. And you know what? I love it. I love it. Because that means there are people back there who aren't drifting. There are people back there building community. There are people back there building relationships, paddling together and things get messy when we do that. My group meets every Saturday at Traveler's House Coffee. Shout out to Traveler's House. They host a lot of our groups. It's an awesome place to grab some coffee. So my group meets every Saturday morning. And you know what I do before we leave? I make sure things are in order. I make sure that our cups are thrown away, that things are put back, that the tables look good, that the chairs aren't all messed up because we just spent 90 minutes of building relationship and community together. And things got messy. It's what's supposed to happen. Rows don't, go, don't get messy. Rows don't get messy. So I want you to know this. It's not too late to join a group. We're going into week two of our group season. It's not too late. It's never too late to join a group. You can scan that QR code on the seat back in front of you. 
It'll take you to TCC now. That's got our whole group's directory, right? Our whole group's directory, over 50 groups that meet throughout the community, different times, different places, different days, different locations. And so if you're sitting there like, ah, oh, you know, I went through the group's directory and there's nothing, there's nothing for me. Over 50 groups, almost 60 groups, there's nothing for me. Something's wrong with your schedule then. You need to make some time. You need to be intentional. You need to stop drifting. Stop paddling alone. Paddle together with a community of believers. Rows are where you show up. Groups are where you grow up. Everybody on staff at the Courageous Church, almost all of our leaders lead a group because it's not something we just say, it's something we do. We don't just say it, we do it. All of our staff members at Courageous lead a group. All of our leaders at Courageous lead a group because it's so important. And so here's what I'd like for you to do as we close. I just want everybody to stand with me. This type of connection takes courage fighting for the soul of the American church. We have a lot of undoing and realigning to do to ensure that there's a generation of believers who are courageous in faith. Our battle cry is hands high. Hands high, hands high, I worship you. Hands high, I believe in you. Hands high, I'm here to serve you. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.